I mean, I don't expect to be invited to C-level discussions with the CEO and whatever, but I do put my trust in design leadership to be, you know, somehow a part of those conversations or a part of those discussions when they influence design. And I trust them to make good decisions for the rest of the team. Welcome to Design Life podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. My name is Femke. And my name is Charlie. For our past two episodes, we've had quite a, well, like like technical design focus, I would say, talking about um, design sprints, design systems, you know, that good design nitty gritty. Today, we want to like zoom out a little bit and talk about office politics and being a designer in a, within a company and all of the like, you know, I guess company drama and stuff that you have to deal with <laughs> along with that. Uh, this topic comes by way of an email from one of our listeners who wishes to read anonymous, which is always an option. So if, if you've got something you want to email us about, just let us know if you don't want your name read out. So this person says, how do you deal with office politics, especially when a management change affects you negatively? In my personal case, in the past few months, there have been some upper management changes that left our design team in a worse position with less involvement in the important tasks and a worse atmospheric work. How can you improve things when you don't have any visibility on the management team? I feel this person, they're obviously in a really frustrating space. They feel like the companies are making decisions that are helping the design team. And, and you know, the, I don't know if they work for at a product company or if it's more of an agency. I don't know, but I know that at a product company, at a SaaS company, when management makes changes that, makes things worse for design it's making things worse for the users as well a lot of the time yeah so that's a super frustrating spot to be in um so that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about our experience with this and and what we would suggest to cope with it although you know as you know about the show if you've listened to it before fem and i are not experts on any of this stuff we don't have all the answers but (laughs) (laughs) we have experiences that we can relate to exactly yeah how's things going though fem you are back in Amsterdam, you are no longer in New Zealand. The past few episodes you have been. Yes. So I am back here in Amsterdam. So honestly, like the last week, I have had very little progress on side projects or anything because I've been traveling and jet lagged. And I, I'm i like ahead in that I have lots of YouTube videos filmed, but I really need to get to editing. Uh, right now, I don't have any videos ready to go. And I'm feeling that pressure of like, oh, I need to publish something. And I have all the content there ready to go, but I need to put aside some time to edit but yeah with the long travel it's like 30 hours or so for anyone who has never made that trip before it's quite long and the jet lag's been really tough so I'm just easing back into it and this is my first week back at work after a month so yeah it's it's a chill easing week and then hopefully uh, by the weekend when I'm feeling a bit better and more on top and more like myself again I can get back into editing my videos and producing content and things like that. Awesome. Uh, it's great that you have a lot of the video filmed as well, because mm-hmm. that's a spot that I'm really in. I am at the moment because of all the travel I did recently, um, filmed a lot of like collab videos with people. Yeah. But yes, a, a lot to be done for me too. <laughs> it was your birthday, by the way. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. And you Thank were in you. Spain. I was in Spain. How was it? I am now 30 years old, which is... Woohoo! Fem, I'm in a different decade to you. Yep. I'm a whole whole decade <laughs> above you. <laughs> How does it feel? Um, it feels no different, to be honest, <laughs> to be completely honest. 
yeah, I expected that maybe it would feel different. I don't know why, because I don't know. I never feel particularly older on my birthday, so yeah, don't know why I thought I would this time. But looking forward to my 30s ahead, uh, I, I think... I don't know if we talked about it on the show recently, if we talked about it in person or, or what, but I think I saw a tweet from someone maybe a couple of years ago that said, like, every woman should have friends who are in the decade above them. Oh, interesting. So they can, like, sort of learn from them and see, you know, where life is going. Mm-hmm. So I've had friends who are, I mean, not just because of that tweet, but I mean, I agree with it is what I'm saying. Uh, I've had friends who have been in their 30s, you know, already. And so they've, they've given me like a nice welcome to the 30 club essentially and made me feel great about it. Aww. So yeah, I think that's wonderful yeah. to, to know people who are older than you and that's nice. to know yeah, that things, things are all right over on this side yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. It's okay on the other side of the bridge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's me. I'm, I'm still, I feel like I'm still catching up from all my jet lag and, and travel and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because like you said, I did go to Spain. So <laughs> I mean, not that I'm jet lagged from that, but yeah, you, know. you didn't slow down at all. You're like, okay, I'm back in Europe, straight to Spain. <laughs> yeah, so that's um, something that I got to work on. Um, but as of right now, I have no trips planned until May. We'll see if that changes, but I don't think I'd be mad if it didn't. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Like, I think you deserve some quality time just relaxing and being at home and living your life without all of the chaos of travel. I feel like every year you say you want to travel less. (laughs) I know and then I never do. Yeah. But you know, it's hard to say no and turn down like exciting opportunities overseas. So I I totally get it. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So that's yeah, something I gotta work on. Please continue to call me out on it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, should we get into the episode today? Yes, let's do it. I guess a good place to start is, have you ever been in this situation at work where, I don't know, you've had to deal with some sort of office politics or there's been a change in management that you haven't agreed with or negatively impacted how you work? Has it happened to you before? Oh, loads of times, Um, especially working at bigger companies. A lot of changes happen up the top and then get sort of fed down to you. And sometimes even though the change isn't terrible, it just feels like a shock. And I don't know, you feel like if it, if it affects my work, I should have been consulted on this sort of thing. I yes, I was going to say it too. So yeah, definitely been a part of this before. Designers talk a lot about wanting a seat at the table. Have you, you've heard this phrase before, I assume? Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't, it basically means like designers want to be involved in those like C-level director discussions and like they want design to be included in, in the product decisions and, you know, all that stuff. Yes. Or seat at the table. I think that comes from the fact that this is so such a common situation that this person is in, that the design team is put in a bad position because of decisions that management has made. Like, I don't know, maybe they've promised this feature to a client. And so now the sales team, uh, so the sales team like pushing for it and the design team's got to like, you know, figure this out just for this one client. And it's, even if it doesn't fit the rest of the product direction. Yeah, maybe know. they disagree or yep. unhappy with this change. Yeah, that can be really, really tricky when you're in that situation where decisions have been made above you without your knowledge or, or consultation, as you said. And then suddenly you're in this situation where you kind of have to adapt uh, and just kind of, you know, figure out, okay, well, this is something that I 
disagree with or don't want to do for whatever reason, uh, how do you deal with that situation? It's, that can be really tricky. Is this something that you've had to deal with before, Femme, the sort of office politics and, and you know, being in the situation? I mean, there's definitely been times where there's been like sudden changes to management or, or things like that. Or, OK, now we're going to focus on this new thing and we're no longer this team. We're now this team. You know, that's definitely happened to me in the past, both at uh, small startups and at big, big company levels like at Uber. And, you know, I sometimes I most of the time I'm pretty understanding and am fine with changes because often they're made in the best interest of the business or, or the users or whatever. But sure, I mean, there's been times where I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of an interesting change. And what does that mean for our team? And what does that mean for me, you know, as an individual, as a, as a designer on this team? How is this going to change and influence not only my work, but the type of work that I do, the type of people that I'm going to be working with could potentially change. And, you know, sometimes that has been difficult to adapt to. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely been in these situations. And uh, often for me, it's been kind of obvious or easy to get a sense of whether it's just me that feels this way or other people on the team also feel this way. And if other people on the team also feel that way, then it's pretty high chance that my manager is going to notice that everyone's feeling a bit, you know, unsure about this change or maybe not happy with it. And so typically what will happen in that situation is we'll get together as a team and have a discussion about it and talk through what the change is, why this is happening, what does this mean for us, and kind of like have an open floor discussion for anyone to ask questions about how this might impact or influence their work, just to get a bit of reassurance, basically. Yeah, that's good. I like that you have a group discussion about it, but it sounds like you're saying it kind of takes your manager to notice there's like general dissent in the crowd until that would happen. Like, do it, would any of you go to your manager and be like, hey, I don't think this is right. Or I'm, I'm not feeling good about this. There are definitely people in my team who would do that uh, because uh, either like they're very confident or very opinionated or have been there for a long time. So, you know, have very strong opinions about how our team should operate and work within the company, etc. Um, I personally tend to struggle a little bit with the whole like, being a woman in tech thing, I don't want to be a bother or a burden. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I might be in a situation where I'm not feeling, you know, good about something that's happening. And I'm like, well, is this a big enough problem, air quotes, like to raise this with someone? Or should I just like let it go, sweep it under the rug, like just keep on going? You know, you kind of feel like you're in this position where, you don't want to be a bother, but also it's kind of bothering you and you're kind of like, which which way should I go? Do you know what I mean? Have you ever had that before? I have. I feel like I definitely had this at Zero, which was my first job in tech, where um, I don't know how to explain it, but like maybe I, I wouldn't really, I would think something was off, but I wouldn't like say anything or voice anything until someone else on the team had first. Yes. And then I would kind of like support them in it, but I would never be the one to raise it. So that sounds like what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. I, I can understand that. I think I'm very, very lucky at ConvertKit that this is not something I have to worry about. We have complete freedom to bring up whatever if I don't think a decision is right or if I see something going down what I think is the wrong path. 
about any area of the business. It doesn't just have to be about the design team. Um, I can have opinions about all yeah, of them. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and I know they're going to be listened to. Yeah. We also do directors' unsolicited feedback sessions that are a treat, where basically the directors are sitting there listening and like taking notes, but they're not allowed to say anything. And then the rest of the team is like just sharing our thoughts and stuff. So sometimes it's venting frustrations. Sometimes it's like showering compliments. Like it just depends on on the person and, and how you're going, you know, what you've been dealing with over the past six months. But yeah, like I said, I know that's incredibly rare. and I'm not suggesting that as the solution to the person who wrote this email in to, to like, you know, come suddenly suggest you do a director's <laughs> feedback session. Yeah. One thing that I wish I could ask this person who emailed in is what's the overall opinion or like view of design within the company? Because, you know, saying you're design led is very, a very popular like term to use, to throw around, meaning that design leads everything. Like we think about design first. Most people, I think anyway, a lot of the companies tend to say this when they just mean we do care about design, (laughs) which is very different from being design led. I, I think that when a company places value in design, then maybe you'd feel, and this is why I think perhaps this person is in a company that doesn't, is I think that when the company does, you feel more empowered as a designer to speak up about things that are going to affect design and going to affect the users, the product, whatever, just because you know that the company thinks it's important. But where it's really difficult is when the company has shown you, maybe through decisions like this, that design doesn't really matter. It's like, I don't know, maybe they consider it the icing on the cake. And that's such a tough situation to get stuck in. I was actually uh, discussing this with someone at my work yesterday, just an observation in, in general, not necessarily about Uber, but just in general is that often, you know, if you have bad management or bad leadership at the top, that tends to trickle down, right? That tends to trickle down through the people that they hire and the people that those people hire and, you know, people just make bad hires and that whole department suddenly ends up being totally dysfunctional because of this one person or, or team of leadership at the top. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully you've joined a company or a design team that has good leadership and good management at the top and, you know, a, a team of leadership that you can trust, right? I mean, I don't expect to be invited to see level discussions with the CEO and whatever, uh, but I do expect design or I do put my trust in design leadership to be you know somehow a part of those conversations or a part of those discussions when they influence design and I trust them to make good decisions for the rest of the team so yeah there's just a little observation that you know hopefully hopefully if you're listening to this you're in a workplace where you can trust your leadership team and can instill some confidence in them and if not that can be really hard to change from like an individual contributor sort of perspective but I think it definitely would be worth having a conversation about and trying to figure out you know what you could potentially do to improve your working situation yeah I think that maybe even if you if you don't know if you trust your manager like in this person's situation I don't know I think you should give them a chance I think that you should raise the issue to them and say, hey, like I've noticed this is happening and I'm, you know, quite, kind of upset about it or I don't, I don't think it's right, feeling frustrated by it. You're not going to get fired for saying that. I hope. Oh my gosh, I hope. <laughs> yeah. And if you do, then wow, what a terrible company 
to be at and like I'm so happy you got out of there essentially but yeah I, th I think you should give give your manager a chance because maybe they just struggle to make like a personal connection I don't know maybe they maybe they don't know how to do it so give them a chance to uh, advocate for you essentially is what I'm saying yeah totally I, I think your manager should definitely be the the point of contact or the person to go to for any sort of office politics or you know, maybe you're struggling with a working relationship with a colleague or something, uh, your manager should be the person to help you and walk, you know, walk you through it and be there for you throughout that. But if you're in a situation where you maybe aren't comfortable going to your manager or you're not sure if it's worth going to your manager for, uh, like I've definitely had those thoughts before, then what I typically do is I go to a trusted ally or a trusted colleague, you know, someone on my team who is usually they're also a friend and I feel like I can, you know, confide in them privately, confidentially. And, you know, you could talk it through with that person first and get a sense of, you know, what do they think you should do? What, what feedback do they have? I've, I've definitely done this before where I've, you know, wanted to raise something to my manager, but not sure how to go about it or how to approach it or, if it's even worth bringing up with them. And so I've taken a colleague aside and sort of practiced it on them first and gone through it with them and gotten their feedback and then made the decision of, okay, is this something actually worth escalating and taking to my manager or not? Yeah, I think that's great advice, especially when um, you feel nervous about going to your manager. It helps. It's kind of like practicing saying what you're going to say to them, right? Talking to someone else first. Yeah, and you might find that all you really needed was to talk it out and to like vent about it and then you're actually fine. Right, exactly. That's always what I'm afraid of. I'm like, is this something that's actually bothering me in my work or do I just need to, yeah, rant about it for five minutes to someone who will listen? Yeah, totally, which, yeah, might be the case and that's fine if you need to do that too. Going back to what I was saying about design being a focus for the company and being seen as important, have have you felt like design is important everywhere you've worked? Yes, I mean, at, at Uber or the places I've worked in the past? Yeah, I mean, at the places, plural. Yes. So, I mean, when I was at Atomic, we were building a design tool. So it would have been weird if design wasn't uh, considered a seat at the table. Uh, so, yes, definitely there. And then at Uber as well, there's a really strong presence, I guess, of both design and tech. They're kind of grouped together into one, like product sort of in general. But yes, I have felt that. Have you? I, I think I I think I have too. Um, there was definitely times at zero when I think it was like big company struggles where it was kind of like, ah, we don't care what it looks like, just get that thing out sort of thing, you know, like whatever. But my design lead would always be pushing against that. So, you know, I felt like I had someone in my corner there. But I can see how frustrating it would be to be in that situation all the time, you know, where you just aren't given the time and space to, to do a good job because people just think, oh, we just need something quickly. Like, whatever, we just, just need something simple. I'm like, ah, okay. Well, do you know how long simple actually takes? And having to fight that fight every single day, like, I think we've talked about it in terms of clients before, I feel like, you know, making sure that they know what the design process is and um, uh, why, simple things take time just so they can understand how this all works and why your deadline can't be tomorrow. It's important within the company as well to advocate for design and 
even when things aren't, even when you're not struggling, I think you should be advocating for design. Like I'm always diving in. Well, I'm saying always, but it's really been only lately that I've learned how to use it, but I've always been interested to know it. Uh, how, how my designs are performing, like taking a look at the data of people visiting the site and, you know, just trying to poke around it and find some things out and see if they're actually working. Because I think being seen to do to be doing that shows people that I do care about how it actually performs. I don't just care about what it looks like, you know? And even though we know that as fellow designers, it's sometimes hard for other people to wrap their head around that. So I don't know. That could be something that's happening in this person who emailed in and their company that then this company isn't placing importance on design. And so they're making decisions that negatively affect design because they don't think it really matters. So the more you're advocating for design all of the time, I think the less chance something like this will happen. Right. Like it's not just a temporary, let's talk about it now and fix this particular situation, but it's more like a, this is a broader ongoing conversation or like cultural change that we need to instill and and keep talking about so that this doesn't happen again, basically, and changes how this process would happen in the future. Yep, totally. And it's something that I'm always looking out for when I'm interviewing at companies as well is, and I think that's one of the reasons why I've ended up in places where design, you know, importance is placed on it because it's what I'm looking for in an interview. I'm like trying to gauge what the like leadership team's thoughts on design are. And that's why I think it's important to talk to people in the company who aren't just designers because obviously designers are going to place importance on design. But yeah, like when I interviewed an edited, I was talking with the marketing manager who would be my manager and the CEO. So I was able to get a sense for what they thought about design and, and how they talked about it. So yeah, that's how I knew that they would place value in what I did there. Yeah, that's, that actually brings up a good point about, you know, if you're interviewing somewhere and you, maybe you're not part of the company yet to sort of keep in mind or, or at least try to get a sense of how design is seen or whether they're valued within the company as a whole uh, and whether they have that seat at the table can be good to know, I think, or important to know because it's definitely going to influence your position in the company and potentially how you work and interact with different teams. Can we talk a bit about the worst atmosphere part? Because this is actually the part that concerns me more than like design not having a seat at the table or whatever is when people end up working in environments that are like toxic, you know? That's just, it's just so sad because you spend so much of your time at work, even though you, we talk about work-life balance, but a lot of your waking hours are spent with the people that you work with and they're spent at work, whether, whether that's a physical place or, you know, a place in your home where you're, you're sitting at your computer doing your work. And when that's a toxic environment, it can affect your whole life. Like there's no balance, like you can't just like all of a sudden leave that, that atmosphere behind it's going to always be there in the back of your mind when when it's toxic like that and so that's the main part of this email that really makes me feel for this person that management changes have made for a bad working environment for them I think that's really sad yeah I mean do you have any advice on what to do in that situation again I, I think what I would recommend is you know hopefully you have a good relationship with your manager and you can go to them as a trusted person and have an honest and open discussion about it but unfortunately not everyone is in that situation where they have a good relationship with their manager or or their manager is someone they can confide in and I think that is when you're in a really really tough situation where you just feel like you know there's no one to talk to about it or 
no one's going to care or they don't understand how this is impacting you. That just to me sounds like an awful downward spiral that I, I don't really know how you could overcome, to be honest, without leaving. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is that really the only way out of this, if management can't change anything to, to make it better, is to leave the situation, not just for you, but for the other people who still work there and actually kind of like still working there. Because something I've definitely experienced in the past is that I get swept up. I'm like, I'm a very empathetic person, so I can get easily swayed by other people's emotions. So when someone else is feeling like they're in a bad work environment and they're complaining about it all the time, that can actually create a toxic work environment for you as the person who was previously happy in their job. Yes, totally. That like ripple effect, like, oh, that person clearly is not having a good time and it's going on for months and that can get really frustrating. Yeah. So I think um, maybe this is really important when you're picking an ally to like vent to. Don't talk down about the people that you work with who have made these decisions. Talk about how the decision has affected you because... Um, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to make someone else's work environment negative just to help you feel better and and be able to vent. You know what I mean? But there's, there's definitely ways you can, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, this person who sent in this email that I, I really do hope that they either a have trust in their manager and can go to them or B have an ally that they could go to and talk about this situation and, yeah, if if you don't have either of those two things or maybe you've tried both of those two things and you're not seeing a positive change or nothing's happening and you're still frustrated and, and not having a good time um, a few months later, then I think the only thing I, I would probably do is consider moving on and moving to a place where you are respected and you are valued and, and design does have a seat at the table and you know you have a positive work environment and a good team culture uh, because you know if you don't have those things I think that can make it very hard to a show up to work each day positively and b create good work yeah exactly and just think of your own mental health above everything else you know you've got to be spending your time day to day in a place that doesn't stress you out or you feel like is a bad environment um yeah so do what you can to put yourself in that situation, whether it's improving where you're at or leaving and going somewhere else. Yeah. All right. I think that takes us to the end of this episode. It does. I actually have a podcast review that I would like to read out before we sign this off. Woo woo. I love when this happens. So we have this lovely review from Jav094 and they titled it how to be a designer as told by actual people. <laughs> I always look forward to Design Life episodes. You can count on relevant topics in the industry and genuinely insightful feedback from both Charlie and Femke. Plus, they're regular people just like you and me. I appreciate their honesty and willingness to share the highs and the lows of working as a designer. Thank you so much for that lovely review. It's always so nice to read these reviews. And if you've been enjoying the show and want to leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. You can just go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review right there. Yeah, we love that. And that just makes me so happy to hear because, you know, when you podcast, it's just it's just me and Fem talking, talking via into Skype. The void. We, don't, we don't see anyone else. <laughs> we don't see comments or things like that really on podcasts, like I get to with YouTube videos. So feedback is always welcome, and yeah, it's always great to hear. All right, if you want to hear more episodes, you can go to designlife.fm and you'll find all of the episodes there.
Yep, and you should follow us on Twitter as well, at DesignLifeFM. Um, like we said, if you want to send in an anonymous email about something you're going through at the moment, if you'd like to hear it discussed on the show, we're totally happy to leave any names and like places out. Uh, you can do that at hello at designlife.fm. All right, see you on the next episode. See you then. <laughs>